Welcome to Law School Podcaster, your source for inside information and advice on the law school application process. I'm Diana Jordan. LSAT test day finally arrives, but what if you walk out of the LSAT and you have this horrible feeling that you blew it? Well, maybe you didn't. It's not that cut and dried, as we will learn in this show about retaking the LSAT. Should you consider canceling your score? Should you retake the test? There are a lot of nuances that merit consideration, including how schools view multiple LSAT scores. And if you do retake the test, how can you be sure you don't make the same mistakes again? In this show, we delve into this topic and hear from our experts, including test prep providers like Noah Teitelbaum, the managing director of Manhattan LSAT. There's plenty of reasons to retake the LSAT, and now that more and more schools are taking your best score, more and more people are retaking the LSAT. We also hear from the admissions dean at a top law school, who shares insight into how multiple test scores can affect your candidacy. And we get some perspective from a student who recently decided to retake the LSAT with amazing results. For this student, once the decision was made to retake the LSAT, she followed some seemingly simple advice and drove her test score from a 166 to a 176. Learning how to not be perfect and that you can make, you can miss a few things on the test and still do really well. You want a great score on your LSAT, and just the idea of that is stressful. So it's test day. You're taking the exam or you walk out of your test center and you have a bad feeling. You're wondering whether you can just start over and perhaps cancel your score and retake the test. Manager of Content Development for Grad Programs for Kaplan, Glenn Storr, says there are two ways to cancel your test. One is you can cancel it on the spot the day of the test. In fact, after Section 5 of the test, the proctor will say, is there anyone here who wants to cancel your score? And if you do, you sign your score sheet and say, check the cancel box or whatever, and they collect your material and you cancel your score right there. The other is that you can send written notice. You can fax it or overnight it. Uh, you send written notice to LSAC uh, and say, I, I want to cancel my score of test day, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and they'll do it. That said. Do not cancel on the day of the test. When you finish the Section 5 of that test, you will feel like you've been through the washer and the dryer, and you're in the worst possible situation to assess your performance. You remember the things that were hardest and, and uh, scariest from the test, and, and it's real easy to talk yourself into, oh, I bombed that. Oh, I'm just canceling right now. So don't do it there. It's common for very bright people to walk away from an exam feeling like they blew it. How do you know the difference between that and a genuine disaster. Dean of Admissions at Cornell Law School, Richard Geiger, says to define a particular reason why you didn't do well, seriously evaluate your performance. Illness would be a really obvious one, um, but even things you know that are maybe peripheral and you're not thinking of that would be a distraction, like a death in the family or you know a particularly um, bizarre you know event on the way to the exam itself, um, or something that happened in the room. You know, there, there things were not timed right. It really needs to be some kind of identifiable uh, factor that resulted in you not performing up to your best ability. Store of Kaplan says, don't be a no-show. This is the way to handle it if you feel I'm not ready for the for the test, is make that assessment early and before the deadline. Say, you know what, I'm not ready for June, I'm going to take October. That's That's fine. There's no notification, no nothing. That's just being a prudent, wise person. If you let that day pass, you're scheduled for the test day. 
you're either going to be recorded as a no-show, you'll be recorded with your score because you sat and produced a score, or you'll be recorded as uh, having taken the test and then canceling your score. I think schools, by and large, are perfectly fine with seeing that you canceled your score, provided that you write an addendum in your application and you say, I had 103 degree temperature. My doctor suggested I not go to the test. I did, I did so anyway, and I know I, I didn't perform very well that day or I had to leave early because I was really sick. They're going to understand that. Don't make excuses about it. Just simply explain it. This is what happened. This is why I canceled my score. If you're a no-show, I think that actually looks worse, unless you can say, on my way there, I had an automobile accident and, you know, uh, actually was prevented. And again, that's just an explanation, not an excuse, an explanation. The Law School Admission Council notifies law schools of cancellations. Dean Geiger says there are some situations in which you should explain why you canceled. Candidates don't really need to explain a cancellation. We know that things happen. Uh, and, uh, you know, a cancellation is often the best choice in that situation. Now, if there's a pattern of cancellations, you know, say somebody's canceled an exam four times, um, then I think, you know, it might be worth an explanation because otherwise it can look like, you know, poor judgment or something like that, and you don't want to create that impression to somebody reviewing your file. In short, our experts say, if you get sick and pass out, cancel. If you usually finish all the sections, but this time you just can't, consider canceling. Or Managing Director of Manhattan LSAT, Noah Teitelbaum, says if you line up the bubbles wrong, definitely cancel. But what I recommend overall is to get used to predicting your score. So every time you take a practice test, go ahead and think, before you grade it, how well do you think you did? And... Getting that ability under your belt is great because then after the test, you're not just going off sort of a vague sense. You're going off a vague sense that you've honed a bit uh, to be able to say how well you've done. And if you know you've done well under the minimum score you'd be happy with, then it behooves you to cancel. When it comes to assessing your performance on test day and deciding if you achieved your goals, there are a few guideposts. For example, you should aim to take the LSAT just once. And Director of Academics at Newton, Brad McCallum, says that score should be close to your practice test scores. The best way to to handle the LSAT is take it once and take it when you know you're going to get the score uh, or you're pretty pretty sure you're going to get the score you need. And the way you do that is to prepare and practice and track your progress so you know, listen, I need a 160, I need a 165 to get into whatever school I'm applying to. The week before I took the LSAT, I hit a 165. That's pretty consistent. I've made good improvement. I will probably do well on this test. If you're if you're under that, then you either need to consider applying to different schools or retaking the test in a future administration. Manhattan LSAT student Sarah Streit scored a string of practice tests in the mid-170s. Then she took her first LSAT. Streit says on test day, she got too excited and didn't focus enough. She walked out of the room thinking she did fine until she got her score of 166. So I immediately decided that I needed to retake the test and do up to what I think was my potential. And I think what I did differently the second time was just to really step back and say, okay, I've learned everything. I've studied as best as I could, and I just need to learn how to relax and go into things and then apply what what I've learned. If you get nervous, Teitelbaum says, likely it's a comfort zone issue. Well, a lot of times the nerves is from lack of familiarity. 
And it also often is from lack of practice under real testing conditions. So one issue is that when you take practice LSATs, they're published with four sections. But when you take the real one, there's five sections. So you need to do practice with a fifth section, uh, which I would put actually first or second to mimic getting exhausted. Maybe even do six sections. Go go crazy. I heard of one guy who would do two LSATs in a row. So nerves are often the symptom of other issues. Uh, so you want to think about why you got nervous, not just say, I got nervous. Our student, Sarah Streit, says that was her issue. She says she came across Manhattan LSAT, sat in on an online class, and signed up. She says Manhattan LSAT helped. Learning how to not be perfect and that you can, make, you can miss a few things on the test and still do really well. So I really took that to heart when I started preparing between the first and second test and said, okay, you know, I might not get everything right, but I'm just going to do the best I can. And I think that really, really helped on my second one. If you have a dramatic improvement in your score after a series of low scores, Kaplan's store says you may want to explain, but never give excuses. Store says law schools see all of your scores, but they consider them differently. The vast majority of schools take your highest re- recorded score within whatever their, their band for accepting scores. Usually that's three years that they'll they'll take a test anywhere from three years up to the day of your application. Um, and they'll look at the highest score. Uh, if you take the test multiple times, they'll, they'll look at the highest and, and not average. There's a few that average. If you're, if you're uh, concerned that, oh, is my dream school one of the ones that average, just go to their website. They'll, they'll almost always have an FAQ on there that says, here's what we do with your LSAT. Dean Geiger says you should learn a school's designated scores and ranges. Developers of the test, the experts, the psychometricists out there, will tell you that if you take the test twice, the average score is going to be the best predictor of um, how you'll do uh, in law school. Um, And so we keep that in mind uh, when we look at multiple scores, um, that, you know, any one score is really just an estimation of what you want to think of it as, is an estimation of your true score. So the more, you know, examples that you have of that estimate, the better you can sort of hone in on what that true score might be, and it happens that the average of multiple scores tends to be the best predictor. The scores are reported automatically from LSAC to the schools. Macallum also says to check out the school's websites, and you'll know your goals. Anywhere in your top 25 lost programs, you're going to need at least a, a 95th, 97th percentile score. So you're looking at, you know, 168 and above to, to really start being considered for those schools. And you got to back that up with extraordinary grades, a very strong academic record. We're talking 3.8s, 4.0s. Um, once you get out of the top 25 or so, uh, you start looking at about 90th percentile scores around the 161 uh, point. Manhattan LSAT's title bomb suggests that you have a score that's above the median of the school you want to go to. In general, if you want to go to a top 20 school, you're looking to have a 165 or higher. If you're looking to go to a top 10 school, you're looking to have a 170 or higher. Uh, you know, those are sort of basic benchmarks uh, that, that we focus on. Uh, but on the LSAC website, there's a calculator where you can put in your undergraduate GPA and an LSAT score, and it'll tell you your chances at every single law school that they have in their system. And that's a very addictive uh, activity. So <laughs> please, you know, use with moderation. Teitelbaum says there aren't a lot of good reasons to retake the LSAT unless you prepare differently. If you 
realize you didn't do the preparation you could have uh, and realize you can go a lot further, that's a good reason. Uh, another issue is maybe you do pretty well. Uh, your, your applications are going in, but you have a feeling you can do even better. Uh, that's a great reason to retake. But I will say that statistically, people don't do that much better on average when they retake. So unless you just happen to have like a really bad day or like, you know, every single one of your pencils broke in, in a freak uh, pencil catastrophe, uh, chances are you're going to do the same. So you're going to have to dig deep in your preparation to do better. Uh, people are often delusional about what happened on test day. Uh, and they also discredit stress and they think, oh, I just got stressed out on that test day. I won't get stressed out on the next time. The, the, the act of saying that doesn't end up making you not stress out the next time. So, you know, if there's a medical issue, then you need to go see a doctor and deal with that. You need to learn some relaxation techniques. Uh, whatever it is, you need to put a plan in place that's going to change the way you take the test if you go and retake it. Associate Dean Rick Geiger says you should ask yourself key questions to determine how to improve, figure out where you are weak, and concentrate on that. If it was nerves or if it was something like that, then you know, it's a little harder to figure out what to do except to try to set things up so that they're familiar to you, so that you know you know where the room is, you're not late, you're, you know, you're not stressed when you're getting there. Um, you know, so that when you when you go, you sort of maximize the amount of familiarity that you have with the whole situation. Uh, and I think that's one of those things that'll probably go a long ways toward resolving even something like nerves. Be tough on yourself when you're practicing, says Teitelbaum. Are you being strict with the time? I think it's very tempting to say something like, well, I'm going to give myself an extra minute because during the test, my dog barked, and, you know, that won't happen during the real test. But I assure you that there will be a dog barking. Uh, there will be a tractor trailer backing up. There will be a jackhammer. There will be your proctor messing up and saying, time's up, and then go, oh, I'm sorry, no, it's not actually up. Or I heard one person say that their proctor was cutting roses. <laughs> at the front of the room. So there's going to be some distractions. So you want to be extra, extra strict during your practice test. Uh, make them as realistic and mean as possible. You only get one break after three sections. It's like 10-minute break or so. And don't go and grade the sections you've already done. Uh, and then there's two more sections without another break between those. So make it as realistic as possible so that your practice tests do relate to the real thing. You need to prep, according to Macallum. As long as it is a is an LSAC-released prep test, they should relate to the real thing because those are the actual tests that were administered, you know, last year or two years ago um, or three years ago, however. And uh, beyond that, though, you need to time yourself. You need to, to adhere strictly to those timing constraints, 35 minutes per, per section. And you need to do it in sort of a, a an actual test-taking environment. You know, you can do it at home, but do it in a quiet room, do it uh, to avoid any distractions. Don't take breaks unless it's uh, between the third and fourth section. Give yourself a 10-minute break. But as long as you adhere strictly to the testing procedures, practice tests can be a very reliable indicator of how well you're scoring on the LSAT. Dean Geiger says the practice tests don't duplicate the real thing. Because they don't duplicate the actual testing circumstances. They don't uh, create you know, the nervousness and the stress and stuff that can exist during an exam. Most practice tests are sort of not, not designed 
uh, in the same way that an actual LSAT form would be designed in terms of the specifications that the test makers apply to it. So for all those reasons, I think in general, uh, you'd find that most of the practice tests given by uh, test prep companies are going to over-predict the LSAT score by a little bit. Timing is critical. Apply as early as you can, Teitelbaum says, and with the best scores possible. In law school, they have some seats at the end uh, that they're holding for that special candidate who just shows up at the end. You don't want to be competing for those seats. You want to compete for the seats with all the rest of us, um, the masses. So you want to apply earlier. You have better chances. Uh, but if you have a score that's well be- below the median of, a, of the school you're interested in, your chances are very, very slim. So it behooves you to get your score up and maybe just think about applying the next year. You know, most of us are living to 78 now. So uh, for most people listening here, they're probably in their early 20s. You've got time. So taking another year before you go to law school uh, to get into a better law school is not a, a crazy thing to do. If your strategy is to improve your test scores, you might take classes with a test prep company. Be sure you choose a test prep company with a guarantee that allows students disappointed with their scores to retake the test and continue to take courses or use the prep materials. And even then, Newton's Macallum says your scores may not improve dramatically. I've seen as high as 19, 20, 23 points on the test here. I've seen as low as, as one or two points. I've seen people regress. It really depends on how much work you're going to put into it as a student. If you, if you come into it seriously, if you, if you really focus your efforts on changing your test habits, understanding the concepts and the strategies and mastering the structure of the test, really the sky's the limit as far as improvements concerned. You don't need to hire a test prep company to help you, says Dean Geiger. You can prepare beautifully for this exam on your own with available materials at a much lower cost than you um, than it will be if you you know have to to go the test prep route. However, there are some people who you know aren't going to be able to do it on their own. Um, just you know for whatever reason they've got a lot going on in their lives and they need the structure of a class. Um, and in that situation, I think the test prep companies are a good option. Strite got into a T14 school after researching schools' websites to discover whether schools take the highest scores. Most do. And she wrote an addendum to those schools that wanted an average score. I think the biggest thing is to just go into the test relaxed, prepare as well as you can beforehand, but you realize that it's not the end of the world. If, if things don't work out the first time, you can always retake, but go in with a relaxed attitude um, and also take the test as soon as you can. In retrospect, it would have been good for me to take it in June, so I'd have the fallback of October versus waiting until October and having a fallback of December, which really made my um, applications late. And I think I would have had better success um, at some of the schools if I had taken the outlet earlier. Teitelbaum has seen big increases, mostly because students become more familiar with the LSAT. He likes when higher scores fine-tune their thinking, and that's reflected in their scores. He says you can do a lot better. It's really possible to go beyond just the improvements that come from exposure. Uh, It's possible to study in a way where you actually get smarter. You clean up your thinking, you speed up your thinking, you just increase the number of neurons that are operating uh, or, or connecting and go for that. Uh, It's really possible to get smarter and to do better on this test. Dean Geiger says the LSAC usually notes small score changes, but he has seen a few scores jump from the low 160s to a 178. 
Your goal should probably be to take the test once only. Prepare well. Go in feeling at your best, well-rested. Take the test. That's probably going to be a representative score, and you should go with that. Uh, if you need to take it again, if something happened or whatever, uh, the same thing applies. Prepare well, go in rested and, and ready, uh, and make that score be the best score you can get. It's not the kind of experience that you want to have multiple times, and taking the test certainly shouldn't be your hobby. For more information, a transcript of this show, or to sign up to receive more Law School podcasts, visit www.lawschoolpodcaster.com. Look for us on Facebook and Twitter to get the latest news and insight into the world of law school. I'm Diana Jordan with Law School Podcaster. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more shows as we explore another topic of interest to help you succeed in the law school application process and beyond.